Washington's relations with her were not warm, and there was no record of any intimacy that now passed between them. But he doubtless knew that what she said was true. Cancer would kill her within the year. Turning his granite face in the direction of New York, he left behind the scenes of his youth, early manhood, and military triumph, and began his journey toward the last and most complicated phase of his life. Washington left Mount Vernon, accompanied by his aide David Humphreys, his secretary Tobias Lear, his enslaved manservant Billy Lee, and the hopeful Charles Thompson. They crossed the Potomac at Georgetown and headed north toward Baltimore, across the rolling hills that some Potomac Valley promoters, Washington among them, hoped might become the site of the nation's permanent capital. He had hoped to travel in as quiet and peaceable a manner as possible, to conserve his energy. But that was not to be. The entire route was a swarm with cheering, shouting, flag-waving well-wishers, throwing flowers at him, holding up their babies, and demanding speeches. Towns that had cannons fired them. Veterans marched alongside him for miles. Men wept. Banners proclaimed a new era, and behold the rising empire. Though he slipped the crowds when he could, he agreed, when pressed, to deliver addresses in Baltimore, Wilmington, and Philadelphia, where twenty thousand people, half the city's population, thronged the cobbled streets, shouting, Long live the father of his people! And a laurel wreath, fit for a Roman emperor, was placed on his head. More cheering crowds were waiting for him on the New Jersey bank of the Delaware River, where he had famously crossed during the war. Crisply uniformed cavalry and infantry escorted him to Trenton, between ranks of girls crowned with garlands, who strewed flowers before his feet and sang odes of glory. The Gazette of the United States proclaimed that Washington had become virtually divine, standing upon a scale of eminence that heaven never before assigned to a mortal. Finally, on the morning of April 23rd, at Elizabeth, New Jersey, he was met by a committee of both houses of Congress, John Jay, numerous New York officials, and the uniformed rotundity of his Revolutionary War colleague, Henry Knox. Dressed in a blue-and-buff suit that recalled his wartime uniform, and seated imperially beneath an awning hung with red curtains, Washington was rowed across the Hudson River in a forty-seven-foot barge, manned by thirteen pilots dressed in white garments and black caps, as flag-festooned ships fired cannonades across the harbor. As if inspired by the jubilation, porpoises leaped and dove around the barge. Near Bedloe's Island, the future site of the Statue of Liberty, a boatload of gentlemen and ladies trilled a welcoming ode to the tune of God Save the King. As Washington neared the Manhattan shore, passed around the battery, and turned north up the East River to the booming of artillery, huzzas rose from multitudes of men, women, and children, packed as thick as ears of corn before the harvest. Another observer recalled the successive motion of hats being doffed from the battery to Murphy's Wharf, like the rolling of the sea. The panorama, Washington later wrote, filled my mind with sensations as painful, considering the reverse of this scene, which may be the case after all my labors to do good, as they are pleasing. It was Washington's first trip back to New York since the end of the war. 
If any New Yorkers held him personally responsible for losing their city to the British in the catastrophic Battle of Long Island, they had clearly forgiven. He was filled with trepidation. All his sacrifices, the years of war and political struggle, the great experiment upon which the nation was about to embark, it might yet collapse into fiasco and come to nothing. An assembly of war veterans met him at Murray's Wharf. At the top of the steps, carpeted in his honor, an officer declared that a guard of honor was ready to take his orders. At this, Washington, turning to the crowd, and with a democratic inspiration, declared that he would accept the honor.